Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Church London catch-up service. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a passion to present Jesus to London and would love for you to be part of the adventure. So why not say hello to us by visiting our website manualchurchlondon.org so we can get back to you and say a bit more of a personal hello. Ah, to hear those stories, guys, um, amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, before we get stuck in today, will you pray with me? We just take a moment to, to come before God. Um, Father, thank you uh, for those amazing stories of your faithfulness and your work in these people's lives, Lord. Um, yeah, we, we're so grateful to hear those stories. We're so excited that we're going to be baptizing these people. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus as we come before the word of God together um, that you would move hearts. Lord, we ask for the Holy Spirit to be applying the words of the Bible to our souls and that it would do us good. And give us ears to hear and eyes to see your grace and goodness. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, we, we baptize people at Emmanuel quite simply because um, the Bible tells us to. Um, in Acts chapter 2, the book of Acts in the New Testament is kind of like the story, the biography of the early church. In Acts chapter 2, right at the beginning, a guy called Peter, otherwise known as Saint Peter or the Apostle Peter, um, gets up um, and he's preached the first ever sermon in the history of the church and he says to the crowd in front of him and his point of application, his takeaway point um, from this first ever sermon is, he says to them, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And that's what we're going to be doing today. Baptism is an external representation of a new spiritual reality that happens when somebody puts their faith in Jesus. It's a symbol that your life is now fundamentally connected to Jesus through faith. That you are dead to sin and alive in Christ. Just as Jesus went down into the tomb and for three days, after three days, he rose back to life. We go down into the waters of baptism and we are raised up to enjoy eternal life with him. We go all the way under the waters of baptism, and we are washed clean completely of all of our sin. We are forgiven. Baptism, the act of baptism, tells the story in a very physical way of a Christian's faith in Jesus. That's what it's supposed to do. That through him we have eternal life. That through him we are forgiven of all of our sin. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. We're going to be focusing on forgiveness. Over the course of the last month, couple of months or so, we've been in a sermon series um, called Walking in the Light, where we've basically been looking at what it means to, to walk in the light, what it means to follow the Jesus way in our lives, how we can live in the, the light of, a, of the gospel and the fully embrace what that means for, for our lives with Jesus. And today we are looking at how we can walk in the light of forgiveness over cancellation. Forgiveness over cancellation. Now, if it, I'm very aware that if, if you're not a Christian here today, you may be thinking that this word I've used a few times already, sin, um, is a bit of an old-fashioned idea. 
It's not a word that you'll hear very much in our modern world or society at all. In fact, it might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You might think that we've moved beyond using terms like that in 2023. But hear me out. I think that even though we don't use the word sin anymore in our culture, people still believe in the difference between good and evil. People still believe in the difference between something that is good and something that is bad. That a person's actions, thoughts, behaviors can be good or, or, or can be bad. What's changed in our world is that we no longer rely on God to define the difference between what is good and what is evil. We've kind of removed God from the equation. And because we've removed God, what happens is that in the fracture lines of our society, a different people, different groups, will have starkly different ideas about what is good and what is bad, about what is sin and failure and what is not, about what is acceptable and, and, and all right and good behavior and actions and thoughts and, and what is not. And, and what happens is if, if your thoughts or your actions or your behaviors contradict, transgress, come up against the the beliefs of any particular group, then you run the risk of, in our culture, in our modern world, you run the risk of getting cancelled. Forgiveness in our society often is, isn't really an option. If you, if you contradict the pe- what people really hold to be true, you are, you are not given the option of redemption or forgiveness or, or restoration. Let me give you two very different examples just to kind of illustrate my point. Um, hopefully they'll come up on, on the slide in just a minute. First one is... Colin Kaepernick. Everyone heard of him? Everyone heard of him? He's, he was an NFL American football player who was the first person to take a, a knee during the American National Anthem at the start of um, American football games as an act of protest against police brutality against people of color, right? A couple of years ago. And his actions ended up being copied around the world. You probably saw Premier League football players doing this, taking a knee before the start of games. The England team did something similar as a, as a protest against racism. But for some people in America, normally on the political right, Kaepernick's actions were just unacceptable. It was unacceptable. They thought that he was being disrespectful to America as a nation, to, to the flag, to the national anthem, and by extension to, to the people of the, uh, the U.S. armed forces, the men and women who served in the U.S. armed forces, which is kind of like so connected to that. And as a result, Kaepernick lost his contract with the San Francisco 49ers, and he hasn't played in the NFL since. Despite being a, a better player than a lot of other people who got picked for, for various teams and has won contracts, he has lost the career that he worked so hard to achieve. Effectively, he was cancelled. He was condemned. He was cancelled from this career that he worked so hard for. Another example already up there, you've probably heard of her, is J.K. Rowling, right, of Harry Potter fame. She was cancelled not by the political right, but by the political left. She's been accused of transphobia because she has publicly defined a woman as being genetically female. And as a result of her saying that publicly, people have boycotted her books, her films, plays on her books. She's received death threats. Her family have received death threats. She's been judged. She's been ostracized by certain groups who, who deem her to have con- like committed an unforgivable sin. For Kaepernick, for Rowling, there was no, there's no way back in the eyes of the people that they have sinned against. There's no restoration, no redemption, no forgiveness. There is no separation between their perceived sin, in inverted commas, and the person themselves. 
in this kind of way of doing things, if you mess up, you have to own that forever. It is inescapably part of who you are in the eyes of your accusers. And so what happens is in order to destroy what you think or believe or the way that you have acted, your accusers will try and destroy you. And that's what you see in the world around you. There's loads of other examples that I could quote. That's a sort of cancel culture we live in as a society, 2023. And honestly, if you stop to think about it, it's quite a scary place. That's quite a scary context to exist in. Say the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, and you're done. Cancelled, condemned. And it's worth saying, right, that Kaepernick, Rowling, they didn't break any laws. They haven't lied. They haven't cheated. They haven't robbed anyone. Not ending up in prison or anything, you know, actually like that. So what happens if you mess up in a big way in your life? What happens if you screw up things and you actually do really, really hurt people? What happens then? What hope is there for for forgiveness then in our culture and society? It's quite dark, doesn't it? It's a little bit like walking in the dark. But there is another way. There is another way. A way to walk in the light. And it's the Jesus way. I'm going to read a story from the Bible where a group of powerful men are trying to cancel a woman. You can find it in John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. We're going to take a couple of verses at a time. I'm just going to speak into these verses, and then we'll close in prayer. So um, John chapter 8, verses 2 to 11. Word should come up on the screen. It says this. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. So this is, we're talking about Jesus. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Jesus teaching people in the temple. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. So let's pause there. The scribes and, and the Pharisees in this story were influential religious men. They had strong views about what is right and about what is wrong. They loved a rule. They love a rule. And they were pretty militant about imposing those rules on other people. If these guys were around today, Twitter would be their social media platform of choice. They would love it. They would be, they'd be in the pylons. They'd be in your mentions. They'd be correcting anybody who they think is slightly out of line from what their definition of reality is. They're those guys. They would definitely be there. And these guys, they dragged this woman who has been caught in the act of adultery in front of a crowd that Jesus is teaching. And there is no question of her guilt, right? She has cheated. She has done something that is unacceptable in that culture. And now she's been dragged in front of an angry crowd. And they all know what she's done. They all know. Can you imagine how she feels? Just think about that for a moment. What's the worst thing that you've ever done? Your worst moment. The thing that you regret the most. The worst thought, the worst action. The thing that you would take back in a second if you could. And now imagine that, the worst, that worst moment being exposed in front of a crowd. And everybody knows. Can you imagine the shame that she's feeling in that moment? Imagine the fear that she is feeling in that moment. 
Let's keep reading. Goes on. They, sa- they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses command us, commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Isn't it interesting that the people accusing this woman weren't actually concerned about her holiness and purity? The thing they actually care about is catching Jesus out. They want to win the argument. This woman is secondary. Her her, um, fate is inconsequential to these guys. What they want is to be right. They want to win and for Jesus to lose. They don't care if this woman literally loses her life for that to happen. This woman is nothing more than a tool that helps them win the argument against Jesus. She's effectively been dehumanized, right? She's been dehumanized. She's just a tool for an outcome. Doesn't that sound a lot like how we interact with one another online in 2023? We forget that the person on the other end of the screen, the other person involved, is actually a person. Anyway, that's just a side thought. So, How does Jesus react? How does Jesus react to this woman? Let's keep reading. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. We don't know what Jesus wrote on the ground. Beautifully, the guy who wrote this, this uh, gospel, this biography of Jesus, John, one of his best mates, he keeps his guessing, right? I think it's wonderful. Maybe it's some, some other part of the Old Testament that Jesus is writing on the, on the ground. Maybe it's one, some of the other Old Testament mosaic laws, the commandments of God. And as they were written on the ground, maybe her accusers read them and they saw, oh, actually, I, I have broken all of these as well. So how can I accuse her of breaking the law of Moses? How can I do that? And and they just kind of fade away into the background when they read that. Or or maybe it was more specific. Maybe Jesus knew stuff that they had done, specific stuff that the men who were accusing her had done. And he had written some of the things in the sand. And when they, he was kind of like turning the tables on them, if you like. And when they saw it, they were like, they just kind of, I I can't stand here. I can't go there. I've, I've, My heart has been exposed. We don't know. But what we do know is that the oldest walked away first. Isn't it true that the further you you get in life, the more you realize that you are far from perfect? Certainly my experience. That you have failings, that in, in the messiness and reality of life, no one has a perfect record. Absolutely no one. Let's look at what Jesus says to this woman when all of her accusers have melted away and she's just there looking up at the Son of God, at Jesus. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. First thing to, to notice is that Jesus doesn't minimize sin. He says, go and sin no more. J- 
Jesus knows that in order to make a way for imperfect sinners to have deep, real, eternal connection with a holy and perfect God, evil and sin has to be dealt with. Justice has to be done. Sin is real. And it's, it's not any particular group in our world. God is the real and true and perfect judge. And sin separates us from him. And he knows it will take his death on the cross to forgive that debt of sin, for it to be cleared, for justice to be done and sin to be forgiven. He doesn't minimize sin. He doesn't say, oh, that's all right. Don't worry about it. He doesn't minimize it. doesn't minimize her failings. But Jesus doesn't condemn her either. He doesn't condemn her at all. The Holy One, the Pure One, the sinless, perfect Son of God stands before her and says, with, literally, she has, there is no question of her guilt. She's been caught in the act. He stands before her and he says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I. Cancel culture says, you are defined by your past. That others will judge you and ostracize you. That there is no separation between you and your sin. You and your failures. They are yours. You must own them forever. You have to carry them around with you on your back for the rest of your life. There is no forgiveness. There is only condemnation. You are walking in the dark. There's cancellation. But the good news of Jesus says you are defined by the grace of a loving, merciful God who loves you more than you could ever possibly imagine. Your past doesn't define you. Your future is defined by Jesus. Amen. The gospel says you are separated from your sin. It's no longer yours to carry because it's been nailed to the cross. You are washed clean, forgiven, because of what Jesus has done for you. That worst thing that you ever did, maybe that you thought about a couple of minutes ago, Jesus knows about it. It's not a surprise to him. What this woman had done wasn't a surprise to him. And guess what? His love for you hasn't wavered for a single second. Not for a second. And because he loves you so much, he lays down his life so that you can receive complete and perfect healing forgiveness of, from God. Faith in Jesus applies that forgiveness that is on offer from God to your life. You don't have to earn it. It's a complete gift. It's a gift of grace. All you have to do is say yes. As these guys, they go into the waters of baptism and rise back out again, all sin, all condemnation stays in that water. That's what it's symbolizing. It stays in there. None of it is left as a banner over their life. Jesus says there is no condemnation, no cancellation when you put your trust in me. That is the Jesus way. That is walking in the light. That is what each of these nine people being baptized today have said yes to in faith. They've said yes to Jesus. Yes to forgiveness. Yes to freedom. Yes to walking in the light. Yes to eternal life with him. And as a church family, we are going to celebrate and we're going to cheer them on 
and we're going to have a bit of a party, yeah? Amen? Amen. Will you, um, will you just take a moment to pray with me at the end? Father, we, we are bowled over by the grace and love and mercy of our God. We are so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you've dealt with all of our stuff, all of our mess, all of our sin. Thank you that we no longer have to hold it and carry it. And Lord, we are invited onto this amazing adventure of faith. We are, we are invited on this adventure of saying yes to Jesus, walking in the light. Maybe, um, maybe this is your first time. Maybe it's the first time you're hearing this. Maybe you've heard it a lot. I just want to take a moment to allow you to say, to say yes to God. Everyone's, everyone close their eyes. Maybe you feel that the Holy Spirit is doing something, is kind of nudging you, saying, this, this is what I want for you. That is what Jesus would say to you. Right now, Jesus would say, my son, my daughter, I don't condemn you. I love you. There's a moment right now where you, you can say yes to Jesus. You can say yes to all those things that these people are, are saying yes to today who are getting baptized. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to that, maybe for the first time, maybe coming back to him, everyone's got their eyes closed. If you put your hand up, I can, I can come and talk to you afterwards. That would be a real privilege. I'm just going to leave a moment here for anyone who is who's saying, yeah, I, I want that. I want that. I want to walk in the light of the gospel. Just put their hand up now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you for the baptism and all that it symbolizes and means. And Lord, we celebrate with what you're doing today, with the way that you're speaking to us and the gospel of Jesus. We celebrate the truth and the freedom that is ours in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.